A smile is nearly always inspired by another smile. Hey everybody, welcome to Crime Over Cocktails. I'm Tiffany, your host, and today I have special guest, Victoria. She's the founder of a Contagious Smile Group. Well, welcome. I'm so excited to have you on the show. Thank you for having me. I really appreciate it. Yeah, no, absolutely. You have such a disturbing, but yet inspiring story. I've never had it described that way, Tiffany. <laughs> Leave it to me. Thanks for uh, giving me a whole new description. <laughs> no, but like you have taken something that was horrible and you turned it into light. And that's so inspiring. Thank you. Absolutely. I don't know where you want to start. <laughs> wherever you want me to start. All right, wherever you feel comfortable. I was in corporate America, and I had everything I wanted except I wanted a family. I had my soulmate, and we broke up after four and a half years. And I did the one thing I've never done in my life. I rebounded and met a monster. And the monster that I met literally ran me to me through the express line. Um, Let's hurry up and you know live together. Let's get married. And I'm like, yeah, hey, bump the brakes, buddy, because, you know, we really just met and he's like, well, you travel for work and you know, I don't get to see you very much. And I'm like, well, if it's meant to be in six months, can't we revisit this? And they're so amazing at the manipulation that they can do and charming, charismatic, you know, and amazing at putting you on paper. Cause it was like, well, we've both been with such, so many wrong people and we haven't been able to be with our soulmate. Now we have each other. Why would we want to waste any more time? And then I'm like, I feel this big, a little tiny, you know, nothing because he made a valid point. I was never physically attracted to him at all. I made that, you know, clear. I told him I wasn't in love with him. I love the traits that he showed me. Um, I was very much about family and all I wanted was to have children. I wanted to, to have a family. And he knew that. And what we learned is that, you know, undiagnosed with narcissistic, psychopaths, sociopaths, whatever you want to put on it, ran with it. And it was like, you know, I came from a very big family. We fostered a lot of kids in my home growing up. Being that I'm military, I'm ready to settle down and have a family, you know, and, and make a life with someone, and that's you. And I was like, well, dude, you can revisit this in six months. No, 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 wait. Next thing I know, we are rushing down the engagement aisle and I actually introduced him to my soulmate. And you, Tiffany, cannot come up with you then come up with a stronger word than hatred. They hated each other, like from the jump, didn't get along, nothing. So I I literally I don't know why I wanted him to meet. It was kinda like, here's your last chance, fix this, you know, to my soulmate. Um, didn't work. I married this monster. We got married. I didn't even live with him until after we were married. And after we were married, shortly thereafter, we, and that's when the abuse began. And the first time, now I have to, I have to put in a disclaimer, whether it's one time, 200 times, one is too many. I don't care. There's no excuse to put your hands on a female or male, because there are male victims. Oh, absolutely. There's no excuse for you to put your hands on more than one time. So the first time I was like, that didn't just happen. Complete denial. I know that it just happened. I, that no. 
And then that was a cell phone thrown across the room at me. And then he came up and slapped me. And I was like, hmm. And then I said, that's not going to happen. Like, that's not happening. I'm not that woman. I'm not going to be that person. Well, as time went on, the abuse escalated. Um, I was literally just confined to his every move. He would drive behind me to my work, make sure I got off the exit. I'd have to call for my office for caller ID so he would see I was in my office. He would call my assistant all day long to see where I was. He would just spot show up at my office, which I couldn't understand. I would do it, but he did. He controlled everywhere I went, who I spoke to, what I did, um, what I wore, my makeup, my hair, everything. If I asked for chapstick, I was a whore. Yes. The injuries were just frightening, to say the least. I would go to work in turtlenecks when it's 80 degrees outside, hiding and covering up for his sickness. Well, I kept going to his command and saying, man's going to kill me. And they turned a blind eye, which after many, many, many years of advocating with other amazing individuals, that's very common in the military. And I know not all soldiers are bad. They're not all bad, but there are some bad eggs out there. So they did nothing to help me. And at one point, he even broke my nose in front of his captain on the base, on the installation. And they did nothing. That is just disgusting. So... This just kept escalating. We kept getting more and more proof. They kept saying, why do you have so much proof? And I said, well, nobody's doing anything to help me. And when he kills me, which is what looks like he's coming, he'll never get his hands on my file. I don't want him around my file. So one of the first things that I did was I changed my medical power of attorney so that when I would get back in the hospital again, he couldn't make a decision. And smart. I did that, which infuriated him more. but. I'm here today. And we went round and round about things. Um, he stabbed me over a dozen times. I am I am deaf now. I wear hearing aids. Um, if you look on the sides of both sides of my face, I had my mandula and my mandibular, both jaws are completely replaced because there's 26 metal pieces in my in my face. Both of my jaws are metal. Complete shoulder replacement. I'm partially paralyzed. I have nothing but screws, pins, and uh, plates in my hand and my fingers. I've had over 100 surgeries to correct, and you don't have surgery for something not broken. The last hospital visit, I was in ICU, and they said that my unborn daughter and I have less than 2% chance of coming out, and it, it was very grim. And I said, it's better than one. We're going to fight. I was in there for weeks. Emergency C section and life led in her. And I remained in the hospital. When I got out, I stayed by her side. And um, it, it was very, very hard. I went after uh, the getting the rights terminated in one. The rights terminated so you can't be around. I keep I telling the military this is happening. And I own my mistake. I own what I did. I, I open up and I say, I did it. I'm human. The sergeant lieutenant colonel uh, and his captain came to see me in the hospital. And I, I raised T-total hell. Excuse me, sorry. I yelled, I screamed, get out, you put me here. This is as much your fault as his. Get out now, screaming. The nurse says, she's not in a position to be, you know, I didn't look like myself. My jaw was broken. My nose was broken. Shoulder was broken. Fingers, wrist, stabbings, knee dislocation, blood clots. I mean, it, and I'm a lady. And all of this is documented. It never once been a he said, she said. Never. 
So not only do you have the medical records that coincide with the injuries, we have photographs of all the injuries. We have doctor statements on the civilian sector. We have doctor statements, sworn affidavits, and we have him admitting everything on almost 18 hours of wire transfer. Wow. So with all this being said, we go to court and he was released on a technicality and never charged with anything. That's disgusting. It is disgusting. It's so disgusting. And I was beside myself. I got a, a protective order. We had permanent restraining orders, um, things like that. And I ended up uh, advocating for special needs. And then I had someone ask me, you, know, you survived domestic violence. I was like, how do people know this? Well, when you give birth and the child gets life-lighted, your medical record goes with because that's why the child came early. Mm-hmm. And they figured that out. So I spoke to a lady who said, you really need to be helping other women. I was like, are you nuts? So I constantly was being interrogated by military police, by CID, um, you name it. I been, who saw him break your face? Well, who's going to look at who's around when you're getting your face bested? I'm not. I don't think you are. So, right. And I, I saw him. It's him. <laughs> yeah, I'm very familiar with the weight of his fist. So they're like, well, maybe, you know, you did it to yourself. How do I do that to myself? I have photographs of where he strangled me, and it's his thumbprints, and they tried to say I strangled myself. You take your own hands. You can't. It's physically impossible. And they actually took, the police actually took the print from his thumb, and it was the same measurements and everything off the bruises. And then, you know, you can't do it. But, like, here was his fingerprints, and here were his thumbprints on both sides. And they were like, well, you must have done it to yourself. And then you hear, well, what did you do to make him mad? What did you wanted? And it was like, I don't care if you do everything verbatim, but whoever cut him off on the way home, whoever made him mad at work, still going to come home and take it out of you. It doesn't matter if you do everything right. It's still going to happen. So I ended up sitting there with my daughter in a medically induced coma, and she had to get a tracheostomy, which is a tube in her neck to breathe in order for her to survive because she was coding every single day. And they told me I couldn't stimulate her. So I sat with her and sang to her and read to her. And literally, I just started screaming into my laptop. I did this all by myself. I was all alone. And I was screaming into my laptop. I had an amazing respiratory therapist who said, you need to help with this. And I thought, you're nuts. You know, you're nuts. So I changed the geographic location and I changed the names and it was 10 years later, I finally got the Gohanas out there. I published my memory first. And um, I've had people tell me that it has saved them. It gives them the real insight of what it is to go through. And then I went back and read it to me. I just literally went in and wrote it. And you can pick it up and say, oh, I'm at the part where he was dragging you through the house by your hair. And I can tell you verbatim what's going to be word for word on the book because it was just what happened? So when that happens, you don't have to try to do anything because it's all factual. So that's what I did. And now I advocate and other women find your inner life and see the beauty within. One of the first interviews I did, I had a, a lady saying, what are you going to do if you find something to do with this? And I said, well, I didn't think about that. And I said, well, I guess I should say that I married my son and we got married and we're married now and he's adopted my daughter, which... You know, to me, it was never his. It was never the monster's daughter. 
she was all mine. And they hated each other. He went to court with me. My sister me. He was an officer, detective, a canine handler. Um, and he went to court with me. And they both went to the bathroom at the same time. And it's one of my seven wonders. I don't know what happened here. It's, and he won't tell me. He won't give me a clue. But I know, right? So, yeah. Oh, so, my God. It'd be a fly on a wall. Right? I was like, I was like watching when they came back in. And he was like, mm-hmm. some things you don't need to know. And I was like, come on, you know? Nope. So, yeah. That's a tough one. But, and he still won't tell you to this day? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I have an idea. But he's like, it's just deniability all around the world. So, yeah, I get it, but I don't because I'm like, you know, I've not been through enough. I want to know. And he's like, mm, no, babe, can't tell you. So that's kind of it in a nutshell, I guess. Um, you know, it still checks me up to talk about it. People ask why I'm still having surgery now. That's easy. I put my daughter first, as any good parent would, and any injury of mine that wasn't life threatening had to wait because my daughter had four surgeries before she was a week old, and she fit in my hand. And they kept telling me she wasn't coming home. And I said, she is coming home. There's no discussion. She's coming home. And it was, she defied every single odd. So I would have, like, a doctor set my shoulder. And it would pop out of the ear. And they're like, you've got to get this fixed. And I'm like, I've got to get it from the kids. There's, you know, nothing I got to do, you know. And she was home at this point. And she'd go into the doctors. And I had 11 pieces of equipment to take with me everywhere. I went oxygen to an emergency bag to an emergency trach bag to her feeding tube bag in case that came out. It was a lot. And she was working every single second. Absolutely. I'm so happy that she was able to survive and yes. you as well. You guys are both strong women and you gave her that. She yes. got that from you. Thank you. Mm. When you told me she likes to like what, donate so she can give to other children, survivors and stuff. Oh, that just made my heart just smile. That is so sweet. She started out when she was four. Um, she sat in Santa's lap and uh, she was born basically without a tongue. So I taught her sign and she talks, but I always interpret for her behind her. And Santa said, what do you want? And she said, you know, he could see the trade scar. And I, I told him. And so. She said that she wanted to give other kids like her for Christmas. And he just was bummed out. it. He's like, what do you want? She goes, that is. And so we went and did a fundraiser. And we raised, I think it was 250-ish for the first year. And we've been doing it every year since. And she, we, we know the hospitals are taken care of. So we go to the chronic facilities um, that, you know, are inpatient like, permanently or the chronic um, therapy centers and things like that. And she'd go in there and she'd be like, oh, hi, Tiffany. You know, I got you a present. And then if you had a brother or sister sitting beside you, she would say, oh, you must be Tiffany's brother. I have a horrible memory. My fault. She got you a present, but I don't remember which one. So you couldn't So that your sibling would think that you didn't forget the holidays. And every year we would say to her, is there any one present you want here? And she goes, no, I don't want one. And she never wants me. Never. And so we've been doing that um, continuously. Like, that's what we did. And, um, but when COVID hit, you know, we couldn't do that for the kids. And so we were um, working with shelters for domestic violence, which I do all year long anyway. And she had saved up her money. And she goes, how much would it cost to get cookies from the cookie company? And I said, why? And she goes, well, I want the next Christmas you to do at Christmas. 
So we went in there and she took us to a big piggy bank and she goes, I want to know what to do and if we can deliver them off. And so they let her keep her money and they donated it. And then oh. And, um, she was like, no, I want to give them money. And I was like, no, they're, they're, they're doing it. And she's like, I want them to have a good Christmas. And so she prays for them all the time. And then she goes to the hospitals now and we're talking to the kids who are having big surgery and say, Hey, I had big surgery. You're going to be fine. So, she advocates for kids herself, and she's just the greatest gift. That is amazing. Ugh, such a presence. <laughs> and it, it needs to be done, especially children. You know, that'll make them realize that they're not alone. And other kids have gone through similar things. And sometimes you need that. You need to know that I'm not alone. It's so important. Yes, it's very important. I like when you said your inner light doesn't die. It gets misplaced. It does. It does. It gets misplaced. And we help bring it back out and show you that even in the darkest night, a tiny little flickering will light your way. I love that. So tell me about a contagious smile. A contagious smile started when the chief of the cranial facial department at the Children's Hospital said, you need to be advocating. Because every time I see you, you're trying to tell parents, like, you can get this, you can get this waiver, you can do this, this, and this, and help you, you need to advocate. And he's like, you should start a support group. And I'm like, yeah, because I have nothing else. So I started <laughs> because my daughter has craniofacial. And so I said, you know what? I don't care what you look like. If you smile, people are going to smile back at you. It doesn't matter. You know, it doesn't matter where you are. Uh, we were sitting in the movie, a dolphin tail, and she was like, Winter has no tail, and I have no tongue. I get it. And she was like four or five, and I just was like, oh, my God. So when she did her make-a-wish, uh, we got to swim with her, which was amazing. Aww. She had a Harry Potter wish, which I feel bad, and I apologize to your listeners, but then I didn't know much about Harry Potter. I was a medical mom, so... I watched it with her, but I was too busy watching, like, the apnea machine and the pulse ox pole and things like that. So I really wasn't, you know, pa- a puffle, what I don't know. It's like, you know. So, <laughs> I, I didn't know. But um, we, her wish was the Harry Potter and they went above and beyond. Like, she spent half a day with the wand maker from all the movies. We signed all this paperwork. She got an actual wand Harry himself used. Um, and she got her Hermione's cloak. So, um, that was, you know, a little bit later, but we were always doing a contagious smile because every smile tells a story and it will always put you in a better place. And if you just remember that you have succeeded a hundred percent in your worst days, and you just think about the tiniest little thing that like medical parents don't take anything for granted. It's a very close knit, very special type community, just like survivors. We're very tight, very close, very protective. And when you see that made something that a lot of other people would be like, so what? That's not that big a deal. To us, it's a huge deal. And we're smiling and, and just taking in every moment. It's contagious. And so it's a contagious smile. So our website, which is a contagious smile.com, offers free social classes, uh, free support groups. Um, we do life skill classes too for special needs for the kids and the families and caregivers. I have a caregiver class just to help them do some grassing. You know, rejuvenate themselves. They need that. Uh, I help rewrite resumes, help you get back on your feet. I can show you how to put your footprint, if you will, back on social media without being traced or found. That's, you know, we can do it privately and teach you how to do that. 
We also uh, we have a lot of classes. We have a lot of resources. Every Friday, we put up free worksheets for you to download and, and do it with your kids or something fun and exciting. Uh, we do a lot of videos. We've had some really famous people endorse um, us, which is fantastic. I just did a three-day event called Podcasting Fur, F-U-R, Pause, uh, because we also breed golden retrievers to help the kids uh, that need it get their puppies sooner because there's an average of five-year wait. So we've been doing this on our own pocket from day one. We've been getting all this ourselves. Five-year wait, is that just seems so long. Yeah, especially when there's kids with chronic, you know, things going on. And they might not be here in five years. And these puppies go everywhere with you. They stay with you in the hospital. They go into x-ray. They go into MRIs. They go everywhere you go, dinner, grocery store. They just can't go in the OR. Other than that, they stay with you. And that's your forever friend. You have that one person, Tiffany, because to me, they're for the you're not the dog. But you have that forever friend that only wants to be loved unconditionally, play with them once in a while, you know, just love on them and they will love you unless at all. And to have something so serious and be poked and prodded all day long and the unknown in front of you all the time, and you have this friend that doesn't care, doesn't care about anything else but you, it makes a big difference. So that's why we started doing this. Uh, that's great. It's such a great atmosphere, such a great community that you have built. You should be very proud of yourself. Oh, thank you. I just hope if I can help one more person, I, my goal is one person a day to succeed in what I'm trying to do. So, And I hope you realize that you are still beautiful. Oh. No matter all the plates, you can't even, you are still beautiful. So you don't ever lose that light. <laughs> so did he ever do any time? So, well... Most likely, he's going to do it again. Cause yes. Uh, we, I, I made it clear with the judge that I would never see Otter go after his place of residence or where he works or anything like that. But once in a blue moon, I just, he changes his appearance a lot. I just want to know mm-hmm. what he kind of looks like so I know. Um, when we did the Guardian Lightum um, transition for the termination of rights and the permanent restraining orders, we found out, I mean, you you don't card your boyfriend, so you don't you know you don't ask to see the license. So he lied to me about his age, which was number one. And then my understanding is he's on like nine or ten right now, and that one is passed away, one is in a mental institution um, because he pulled a gun on. Uh, one is very young drugs, and I don't know the status of the rest of them. And I honestly, I haven't checked because. I just want to know what the physical appearance is, so if I see him alone. Right. No, that's smart. Absolutely. I don't fear him. I'm not scared of him. I mean, he made it very clear that the only reason he ever started beating me when I was pregnant was because he was afraid to hit me when I wasn't. Because he knew I would have thought of that. Then he moved. So that was the big, yeah. Hopefully he'll get what's coming to him. Someone eventually is going to take it out on him or hopefully he'll go away. I, I don't know. It makes me so angry, these people who just keep getting away with this. Right. It was in the news. Uh, it, it was on Facebook. I saw it again the other day. Um, a, a young, late, gorgeous woman kept going to the command saying, my husband 
pardon me, he's beating me. She was all bruised up, and uh, they turned a blind eye again. And next thing you know, they they said they found tapes of her calling the suicide hotline, and it's recorded. And she was like, my husband's going to kill me. Nobody's helping me. I'm in a town. I don't know anybody, you know, whatever. He's military or whatever. And then she was found stabbed only a few days later. Ugh. And nothing happened to him. Makes you so angry because you are, it's supposed to be protecting the country and you're That's supposed to be, yeah, saving us from the bad guys. Well, what happens when part of you are the bad guys? You need to take, right? take responsibility. I actually said that to them. I said, you're United States soldiers and you're supposed to be protecting United States citizens and we're on U.S. soil. What do you do overseas? Like, I don't understand. Right. And I was like disregarded like trash, like it's nothing. Shame on them. You um you went after them with a lawsuit, right? Mm-hmm. Good for you. I did. Sometimes stuff like that is what's going to make them open their eyes. You got to hit them where it hurts them. Right, and I mean it's not. It wasn't about monetary because there's a cap on it, and so believe me, there was no kind of monetary reward. And it really was the reason I did it. I wanted them to be held accountable to see that not everybody's going to walk away. And you know, a lot of people can't fight that fight, and I did because I wanted my daughter to see that she fought so hard for me. I'm I'm going to continue fighting so hard for her. There had to be accountability. There had to be. You know, people brought to the fire for this. And I was told, oh, you know, people could be brought out of retirement. I don't care. You know, I could care less. So my ex ended up getting uh, medical retirement with benefits for the rest of his life. But I went after him too, so we won. Good for you. They need to be held accountable. You can't let this continue. Like, people are dying and they don't need to be. It's ridiculous. Absolutely. (sighs) What a story. <laughs> oh, and your stat that um, you said one in three families in the military are abused. It is. And if it's one in three that report it, how many are not reporting it? Yeah, same as law And they turn a blind eye and they take care of each other. Like I said, they're not all bad. My husband now is, you know, that whole background in military, canine training, canine handler. He would never, ever. That's not anything I've ever had to. My husband and I have known each other for 20 years. We've never had a single fight. Never. Which is amazing. Absolutely. And the fact that he stepped up to help with everything that happened with your daughter. And you're like, see, if you would have married me before, none of this would have happened. He's stricken about it. He blames everything that happened. He said, you know, had I not been stupid and, and we broke up, this would never have happened. Um, he can't do that though because I told him that he can't do that but like when we um, first got back together my daughter went up to him I mean we'd always talk off and on through the years and uh, my daughter told him she was like my mom has said from day one that the only person she would ever my dad that would be doing that with you and I was like thanks for that (laughs) 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 and Next thing you know, no. And he proposed, he asked her permission. Oh, I love that. He asked her if he could change her name since I was going to have mine changed. Yeah. And, um, he made a big deal about it and he gave her a beautiful tree of life necklace and said, we're planting you, which is a family. And 
Um, he slowed it up, smoked it away. It was beautiful. It was so, so beautiful. But it, like, into it, I was like, I don't But, you know, he had her as his best man, and I had her as a major mom at the same time. So it was really sweet. And they, every, uh, once a week, they have daddy daughter night where they sit and watch stupid movies. Did I stupid movies? I mean, stupid movies where you're like, I'll never get that time in my life back. So I said, it's y'all's time. I'm going to work and do anything I can other than this. And they do it all the time. They're jokers. They play pranks on each other all the time, constantly. It's, it's so much fun. I mean, it's, it's really, it's a lot of fun. It's like he was meant to be all along. I've told him that many, many times. <laughs> you keep fighting. And I want to thank you so much for being on the show. You yeah. really do have such an amazing light. And you are an amazing person. I can just tell that. And I can't wait to talk to you next. I know. We're going to have you on. Yes. Uh, that'll be the first time I'm a guest so (laughs) I feel honored I feel so honored yeah no honestly I'm excited (laughs) it'll be good it'll be good all right well thank you so much again I really appreciate it and we will keep in touch for sure and I'm going to um make sure everybody knows about contagiousmile.com Get the word out because stuff like that, we really need it. We do. We just want to help others. That's all we want to do. Absolutely. We want to this by themselves. And we need to make it stop. We, you know, one voice can make a movement. We need to stop. We need to get this in control. We need to change the laws is what we The need. laws are horrible. Only 2% of people who actually abuse individuals serve any kind of good it's pathetic. It's disgusting. And if they do, they get out early release and then they do it again. It's well, here's, here's the sad statistic, Tiffany. 2% get incarcerated for it because it's like, I think the statistics that I just saw was like 85% do not get a full investigation done, which is completely understandable and believable the way our laws are right now. 46% of the victims end up in self-defense, killing their abuser, and they serve time. That is mind-blowing to me. Yeah. That is ridiculous. We need reform. Absolutely. If we all stand together and we all fight, hopefully. I mean, I'm willing to fight. I really am. Let's do it. All right. (laughs) So much for having me. I really appreciate it. Yeah, not a problem. You have a great rest of your day. Thanks, man. Thank you. Abuse is never okay. Please let somebody know if you need help or call the abuse hotline at 1-800-799-7233. Or you can text love is, which is L-O-V-E-I-S, no spaces, to 22522. All right, you guys, we'll talk crime another time. Bye.